Salt and Bone, a podcast about conjuring skills for the apocalypse. I'm Jenna. I'm a farmer, fermenter, forager, witch, and enthusiastic naturalist. I'm Kami, a supreme hyphenate artist, producer, organizer, etc., born in Scarborough into an Armenian family displaced from the Swana region. It's the apocalypse. It's happening. It's happening. (laughs) Every day. All the time. You're in it. Yes. You're in the shit. And that's what we're going to talk about today on episode one is what does the apocalypse look like? Yeah. What does it look like to you personally? And even like us discussing what we think it looks like, you have a very different version or vision of what it might be than I did. Yes. And like once I really started to think about it, I was like, I guess I thought it would be this. Yeah. But it might not be. Anyways, you don't get to decide. Yes, you really don't. And that's kind of that's kind of the reality of it, right? We can speculate as much as we want, but um, it can be anything at any given time. So we're just going to have a big old big think about uh, yeah. some of the possible scenarios. The different versions. And I think there is like a spectrum of realistic or probable versions versus, you know. Fantastical. Fantastical, ri- ridiculous but also possible, like also, yeah. zombies, you know? That one is the most terrifying for me. Okay. I hate zombies a lot. Like, I don't like... like the genre? Or... I can't watch... I don't watch horror movies, but okay. specifically, most intensely, I can't watch zombie movies. Like, the concept to me is so fucking terrifying. Now, I think you can, like, think of zombies as a metaphor, as, like, an unrelenting, non-thinking... Thing that is after you sheeple. as a force. Yes. Sheeple. <laughs> um, and that's like so fucking terrifying to me. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, I think that there's a reason why people use the zombie as like, I feel like a zombie today, you know? Yeah. Um, but um, that's a little bit on the more ridiculous <laughs> side, I think. But then, you know, you get you get more... I think the more realistic stuff that we're going to talk about today is um, environmental collapse, right? Climate change and what that could mean uh, depending on where you are and um, some kind of societal collapse, right? So, um, like, disease, plagues, pandemics. Mm. <laughs> so Let's start with pandemic. Let's start with pandemic. We're in it. So, so um, we're, we're in we a global pandemic. Because, yes. I mean, you might be listening to this, you know, decades in the future yeah. from, like, your fucking bunker. Being like, <laughs> oh, what's this all about? These bitches uh, knew nothing. Yeah. <laughs> These um, time-telling, fortune-telling witches yeah. from 2021 predicted yeah. it all. Yeah. Um, um, but I think, yeah, like... You know, we talk about pandemic being, it's a reality for us, and it could continue to be, right? A lot of uh, epidemiologists and scientists um, have been preparing for this or warning us about this for a long time, and I think it could very well, it could, you know, there's, I think it could happen again, and it could be worse. And it could be worse. Even this could be worse. I think comparing, like, this pandemic to, say, like, the Spanish flu from, like, 1918, that one was... Not much worse because it killed children too, yeah you know it killed like young healthy people and yeah. children yeah and per- so many fucking people we honestly. got out pretty scot-free with this one i think you know, yeah in, I, like in a lot of ways yeah i mean this yeah. one it's like you're a hero if you stay home type thing yeah um but if if this stuff happens again i do think about you know what what I don't know. First of all, I think psychologically, I feel like it will, people won't be able to handle it. That's my, that's my number one concern. There is obviously they're very real 
lived experience, but then there is, you know, folks just not being able to handle it in society, but psychologically also. That's a big one. It's just like, so like, here's the scenario. What if COVID turns into... COVID part two. COVID part two. Um, something COVID. else. Or like, you yeah. know, we get out of it and there's a bit of a reprieve and then it's something worse and then something else worse. So in this situation, we're going into scarcity as well as uh, like an actual virus yeah. threat. Um, because what's going to happen is things are going to get whittled away. There's not going to be a food supply. Uh, the food chain is going to get like definitely diminished. You won't be able to, no one can grow food. Mm-hmm. Uh, you won't be able to go to the grocery store. And no one can work. Everyone's just going to, like, run out of resources. It's unraveling. It's unraveling. But, you know, I want to just say, I want to say that every, every different places and different people deal with this in really different ways, right? Even this current pandemic, when you look at the places that have dealt with it in a really, you know, quote-unquote, good way, mm. um, there's a lot of countries that, like, have very little deaths and very little cases. And, and, and my personal opinion on it is because... By and large, those are places that have a way uh, stronger sense of community and um, accountability and responsibility for one another. So culturally, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of like consideration of other. So the ways that um, Taiwan, Taiwan, Japan, Australia, right? Like Australia just like, they just shut. They were just like, nope, we're an island. We can get fucked. Like they just shut, you know, they took care, they decided to shut down and take care of themselves and and they did, right? And then Taiwan, Japan... There is already such a built-in um, culture of like consider being considerate of the other mm-hmm. um, that they did really well with the pandemic, you know, and they learned from their from from they learned from the previous versions of pandemics and they applied those lessons. Huh. So my fear is that we're not going to apply the lessons <clears throat> uh, in terms of where we are and how and or how do we how do we. Yeah, everyone's so like, this is going away, this is going away, like, I can just get back to normal, I can just keep going on with what life used to be, mm-hmm. like, fuck that, it's different, it's yeah. never going to be the same, if you haven't realized that, then... And the funny thing about what the apocalypse looks like to us personally is, for a long time, up until this pandemic, the way that I was thinking about the apocalypse was way off. Yeah. I would always be like, okay, do I have um, a go-back? What is in my go-back, <clears throat> right? Or... Um, what would I have to take if I had to leave this place super quickly? And I, I think it's because I spent a couple of years in California where earthquakes were a real, uh, it was a reality and you had to have a go back and it had to look a certain way, right? Yeah. Where I was like, okay, I would take like my ancestral carpets and like, yeah. you know what I mean? I would like, I would like fuck the water. Like I would take, you know, like the stuff that felt like valuable to me personally. Mm. But then pandemic hit and I was like, oh no, just kidding. You can't leave your house. Mm. You know? Yeah, so, it's, like, so different. So like. Go bags are useless to you, right? Um, and your what was the most important thing was community. It's like how we've come together and like become closer. And it is true. So like our personal story here, mm-hmm. we've like formed a community childcare situation, mm-hmm. and that's been such an interesting experience. So literally, like some families and parents and children from the local area, we pulled our kids out of school and mm-hmm. formed a like childcare pod. Yeah, I mean, schools were shut down. We didn't. Schools were shut down, but then they opened up again. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, but like we, it's not easy. No, it has took a lot of effort. No, and it still continues to be a lot of effort. Um, but but it saved us, right? We were all really losing our shit. um, being at home with our families, as as so many other families continue to be, right? Well, it's lonely. Um, Yeah, and as we were talking about with this too, so it's like, what the apocalypse looks like we'll get into it a bit more, but it's like 
we're taught so much in this civilization, this culture, to like go it alone. Mm-hmm. Like your family unit goes it alone. You yes. live alone. Yes. You take care of your shit. Tired. If you have a family unit, yeah. if not, you're just the person doing it alone. It's the bootstrap theory, right? Yeah. Like you gotta just like figure it out by yourself. You shouldn't need anybody's help, and but you should also continue to rely mm. on like the economy and on those in power, right? Um, Versus how things used to be done, which is you have intergenerational your, homes yes. and you rely on your community. Yes, you rely on others to others. survive, right? You take care of each other. Um, and that, for me, is like a really... It's been a really big learning through this pandemic and it's something that I will really hold on to moving forward, right? Because I think, um, and also in general, that's like kind of like what I do my research on, right? For, um, uh, I'm doing a degree in psychology and looking at community psychology and, uh, and, and specifically around like how we relate to one another and how we build relationships and mm-hmm. how we take care of each other, right? So like if we're being told that um, you should just be taking care of yourself, and your family and your unit and that's it. Um, and if you can't, then you're like deficient in some way, right? It's like a super, it's basically just like the most like capitalist colonial mindset. Yeah. Super individualist, right? Not not inter- interdependent at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, to put us in our little boxes. Um, mm-hmm. But I think what this pandemic and like apocalypse sort of thinking brings to light is like, no, you actually need each other. Like you really do. You need each other to survive but that can look so many different ways mm-hmm. and comes with a huge set of oh yeah troubles and bullshit yeah and i'm violence. not wearing like the rose yeah. colored glasses here <laughs> it's hard fucking work it's 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 gritty and it's dirty and it's hard and it's but you um, have to you have to you have to or you don't and you just survive on your own and what what does that look like mm-hmm. right um anyways that's a yeah. little more doomsday prepper a little bit, but also not. It's, no, like, it it's also about like you know relying on your community to survive. Like, who is your community? Who's your apocalypse community? Yes, who's your apocalypse squad? Yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's I have a fun a, game. I have a list in my head. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> but that's more for like you know societal collapse, disease, what and whatnot. Um, when we're thinking about environmental collapse, like sort of. Climate that's always change. how I picture it. Yeah. So it's, it's like, happening. It's gonna happen. Climate change is real. Yeah, it is. I mean, I've been farming for. Oh my god, twenty years? That's fucked up. I'm under forty. It feels weird to say twenty years for anything. That's fucked up. Anyways, um, yeah. So I've been farming for twenty years, and uh, I've seen huge changes in the way the environment is reacting and behaving and existing, and how you have to adapt. Like as a grower, um, like what you can expect in terms of like first frost, last frost, like what you can grow, how much water you need to bring in at this point. We've had some very dry years in the last mm-hmm. few years. Yeah. And like trends and things like that. So, and like the temperature changes, the temperature, going the up change and... in the plants, the change in the livestock, yeah. the change in the wild terrain. Yeah. In the game, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, and we're talking about trees, right? Like what trees need to survive and to thrive sometimes largely depends on how cold it gets and yeah. whether it, it goes down <clears throat> a certain temperature. And I mean... Also the insect load, really that's mm-hmm. huge. Like the amount of pests that predate upon agricultural crops or trees at all, like a lot of that is reliant on how much the winter will kill. If we get mild winters, the insects don't die. They're like So you end up with like really wild fluctuations in populations um, that will 
drastically. The apocalypse is holistic. It's yeah. very holistic. It's very relational. Like one relationship ex- affects the other, right? Yeah. And you have to think about it in that way. I think that's like a really important part of um, how I've been trying to think about um, the apocalypse is like, how is it all, Where? what are the connections? Um, and it is, it's a very, it's a vast web. Yeah, that mm-hmm. is true. Yeah. I think a lot of, I think that's a big issue too, where a lot of people don't see themselves as part of the web. In the web. Mm-hmm. And I always have. Is, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's like for so long. Like you're interconnected in what's going on. Yeah. In the environment. In your environment. But in, yeah, the whole like societal web as well. I mean, that's like, we can see that now today, right? And with like the anti-mask movement and stuff. Like people just like not really feeling um, like part of that web, right? And so feeling like they don't need to. You know, there's a whole thing. We don't have to get into it. But like it's it's reflected, especially in like Western um, or let's say colonial like uh, settings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was listening to um, or reading something about how they, they've been marketing, right? Uh, like, wear your mask. You can uh, save a grandma, right? And then in the U.S., they realized that they had to really switch gears. Yeah. And um, they're like, wear a mask, save yourself. And they were like, oh, yeah, that's going to probably work better because people don't give a shit about other people's grandmas, but they yeah. care a shit about themselves mm-hmm. and, like, what that says about a society, right? Interesting. Um, I, th- I think that's really fascinating. I think that's going to be that's gonna be the make or break for a lot of folks um, in future pandemic or future apocalypse yeah. situations is... Uh, um, and you see that in, in all story, storytelling around apocalypse, mm-hmm. right? In movies and books, it's, uh, um, there is a collapse there. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, people lose their shit. Yeah. It is an acknowledgement that like things are going to change and people are going to get intense because as things become do? diminished, you need to react and mm-hmm. it is changing things. You're coming together with other people, but also that has so many troublesome consequences it does and how do you reconcile like your value system against that right like on one hand i'm like of course i would do anything to protect my family Mm. but you know it becomes like you have you have to start making some really hard decisions around that right and as we talked about in like the uh like the intro mini-sode it's kind of like apocalypse we always kind of assume that it meant an end but it doesn't it means a revelation Mm -hmm. like a revelation of like great knowledge so we're kind of coming at this podcast from that point of view that that there's a catalyst for change and the veil is lifted and you need to change and react and so many things are revealed about yourself about your community about your society yeah and that kind of reminds me um of the OODA loop, actually, like the the I feel like this the revelation thing comes cool. into play in a really interesting way. Right? I don't know what OODA loop is. So okay, like, so the tell o- me. Yeah, so OODA loop is so it's it's O O D A loop, right? Just it, it's an acronym, um, and so it, it stands for um, observe, orient, decide, and act. And it's a loop for a reason. It's meant to be constantly, you're supposed to be, so a little bit of history behind it, it was um, developed out of a um, fighter jet. There's Basically, it's a military okay, yeah. concept, right? Um, because it, it's meant to, it's a decision-making tool. Mm-hmm. but And it's meant to be something what you apply when it's in a chaotic high pressure situation right because you go into panic you panic fight or flight your brain changes exactly (laughs) and so this is a this is a system Mm -hmm. um that you can put into place to make like quick um smart ish 
informed decisions, right? Um, well-informed decisions and, and, and now it's evolved and you can use it a lot of like it, a lot of doomsday, you know, like the survival or uh, uh, folks use it, but also um, in a lot of different fields people are using it, right? And so essentially the way you're looking at it as um, Observe so like observe what's around you just like gathering information, mm -hmm. right? And then orient is like, okay, what is my orientation? Where am I? And, and specific to fighter pilots, it was like, what is my viewpoint? What can mm -hmm. I see? What can I not see? Right? Yeah. Um, and then uh, make a decision. It might not be the best decision, but it's the best decision with the information that I have based on the previous steps yeah. with orientation. And then to act. But then always going back. So like if you then you reach another milestone or checkpoint, yeah. you have to do that again, right? So I feel like that's really relevant in what you're saying around the apocalypse, around the unveiling, mm -hmm. is that every time you are, something else is um, unveiled, you have to go back, observe, orient, decide, act. Because it's, you have yeah. to, that's, that's an, it's that's an a adaptation tool, right? Because it's not like going to be one thing, right? It's not just going to be like, oh it's fuck, never. a meteor hit and now this. You know, it's like, it's very most likely going to be a slow decline mm -hmm. um, and, like, scarcity of resources yeah. and change such as that. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, the COVID thing is interesting, too, because you're like, oh, shit, like, it's not like crazy zombie virus, like, taking over the world and killing no. millions of people. It's, it's like, like slow death from slow. the inside because oh, you're stuck at home with your family for six months. Mm, psychological <laughs> decline, <laughs> like, six months. It's been yeah. a year. And then it's The Shining. <laughs> starring you as Jack Nicholson um, but yeah I think like it, it, kind of going back to the piece around um, uh, adapting right and like how do you do that in whatever situation that you're in mm -hmm. yeah you have to like you have to adapt like mm -hmm. this is kind of like you're forced to change really quickly and adapt mm -hmm. and there's so many different situations where this can happen and what we're looking at yeah it could be drones it could be drones <laughs> no i never pictured drones as part of my apocalypse sure 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 <laughs> we have two different versions of apocalypse that are now we're combining them so for me yeah. i was like i'm always like well i don't know because i'm like always working in the environment and like yeah. nature and stuff like that yeah. i just picture it as like things are fucked up and you need to kind of condense and it's an environmental thing. That's what I pictured. Or like some huge environmental thing where society has to change. But then Kami was like, no, what about drones? I was like, what do you mean? Well, yeah, because I'm Armenian and the war in Artsakh that happened in September, and, you yeah. know, at the end of last year of uh, 20, uh, 2020, the year that shall not be named, um, it, the war was largely, um, it was an experiment, right, in uh, modern warfare, and they used drones to, like, you can create swarms of drones, God. literally, yeah. to, you know, you could, it's pretty freaky stuff, right, and you could, like, strap C4 to it, like, mm -hmm. it's, um, and you could just, anybody could buy a drone, Right? Um, That's true. Right? Remember the first time I saw some, like, fucking asshole flying a drone? I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah, like, they could do anything with that. And, and there's, like, laws around it and shit, but, like, you know, like, who's regulating that? Um, so, and then also, like, you know, in the in the um, story world that I work in, um, in my writing, is um, the, the government, right, the totalitarian government is using drone technology to as surveillance, as a part of surveillance. And a lot of different people use that too. There's a lot of different sci-fi kind of stories who, who refer to that. But in terms of drones, what it brought up for me was like, 
oh, okay, that's a skill I don't have. Like, I'm not a hacker. Like, I don't know how to tap into that tech, right? And that's somebody that I might want to have on my team. Mm -hmm. And what does that look like? How do you take down a drone? How do you take it down so you don't break it? So then then you can use it for your own survival and safety and uh, purposes, you know? Yeah. Um, These are all things I don't know nothing about. So I kind of want to, like, get that person (laughs) on my team, you know? Like, hit me up. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, our next episode is going to be on, like, your apocalypse squad. So yeah. we will go into, what do you think that looks like for yeah. sure? Yeah. But yeah, I never thought about that. I was like, yeah, fuck that. I'm going to need, like, growers and, you know, you need it herbalists. It's and, holistic. Yeah. You do you need, need it all. all. You need it all. Because even drones, like, they could, it could be security for you, right? It's it's a matter of security, and it is it is a matter of warfare. And if that's what's happening, it is going in that direction, whether we like it or not, right? It's not just to use... Um, we don't just use drones to like get cool aerial shots for movies, you know. People are using it for some gnarly shit, so that's very true. Should be on our mind. And maybe we should tap into, see if we can tap into some experts around that. Yeah, yeah. Mine is I'm not I'm no expert in any regard, but um, I do know that it's on my radar in terms yeah. of <laughs> like shuddering. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> um, but um, we were gonna talk a little bit about apocalypse plans right so what is your apocalypse plan who who's in your squad uh what does your personal apocalypse look like Mm -hmm. um maybe we'll talk about our relationship to the apocalypse yeah like kind of how we started to think about it and like how we got where we are today yeah um okay i'll go first (laughs) okay so I remember being, like, 17, 18, and, like, really thinking about the apocalypse. Like, I was like, society's gonna shift. Well, it's kind of the time where you become aware of, like, the flaws of, like, say, your parents and the generation what above you. What year was that, can I ask? Like, around... Uh, that would be, like, 2001? 2000... Oh, I gradu- Y2K! I graduated high school in, like, 2002. Okay, so, like, post-Y2K era. So yeah. that was still very present. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I was 16 when it was... Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, like, I remember kind of that time where, like, super edgy teen being like, organic agriculture is awesome, like, fuck everybody else in the fucking grocery store and your industrial meat, like, complex relationship. Um, and, like, more angry, less, like, having solutions about anything. <laughs> well, that's not true. I had a lot of solutions, but I was, like, so, like, in your face about it. Yeah. Um, as teenagers are. As teenagers cool. are. You're passionate, right? Yeah. But I remember thinking about it, and I did have, like, several friends at that time, and we all thought about it, and we talked about it a lot. And it was kind of just this, like, acknowledgement that things were going to change, and, like, I felt like things were super fucked up, and it was going to happen soon. And I felt very unprepared coming out of childhood um, from the, you know, 90s and, well, from the 90s childhood, where you're like, you're like, my parents did not prepare me for this world. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't feel prepared. Yeah. I didn't feel like I had practical skills. I don't think anybody skills. feels prepared. And I think that's kind of the point, right? They really want, they, um, you know, it, there is something in the world that we live in that yeah. um, there is something that there's a veil being hung over our eyes around, you know, um, everything's fine. And just keep going to the store and keep buying yeah. shit and keep ordering on Amazon. And it's cool. It's cool, man. Like, and I didn't like it. It yeah. did not sit with me as a person, like mm-hmm. core value at all. So mm-hmm. I think I responded to that rather extremely as I tend to respond to certain things. Yes. <laughs> Scorpio rising. <laughs> and, um, 
really dug in and like changed my whole life but I do remember that kind of being the catalyst for it so at like 17 18 really getting into learning about agriculture and learning about plant ID and like herbal medicine some survival stuff but at that time I just wanted to like buy land and go live on that land homestead style and not fucking deal with a lot of other shit but I did go to university I got a scholarship to go so I went to university and after a semester I was like I did really well but I was like fuck this you know what's not gonna help an archaeology degree (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that's like what I wanted to be when I was a kid because I watched a lot of Indiana Jones and then somebody was like yeah that's not actually what archaeologists do and I was like well fuck that I don't want to do it then and that ended up being well right when you're like 16 17 they're like so what do you want to do as an adult and you're like I don't know that and it's like it's so unrealistic it's so great that you, you you landed on the on the on a vocation that worked you're still in it you're still a farmer you're still yeah. in food right you still yeah not archaeology fans <laughs> yeah so yeah I went like for a semester and then I like had like a huge like other moment like another revelation like veil lifted again where mm-hmm. I was like this is bullshit this mm-hmm. isn't gonna work for me I feel like I need practical skills mm-hmm. and I was so driven to get them so I dropped out um, I was in British Columbia going to university. So I came back here and was like so fucking lost. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I know what I want to do. I don't know how. So then I started to volunteer for like farmers around here. And there was like a, an organic growers group at the same time. So I started to go to some of those meetings, met people. They were looking for a young person to hire and invest in in terms of educating. And I was that person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked on that one year like 12 different farms 12 different farmers and like businesses uh, agricultural based businesses and it was so eye-opening for me and so amazing just to see all the different ways people were doing this and I gained so many Mm. skills like I remember I like was all over the place that year because it was like up north a bit and like you know within anywhere within like a two-hour radius and I just had like a backpack full of books on like plant ID. Like I think back to 19-year-old Jenna. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> School of life. School of life. And yeah. it was great because it was self-education. Sure, yeah. And it's a whole different, like, whole different game when you're doing that versus yeah. like I mean, that's what this is, right? Like, yeah, this is like us doing that. Our, yeah. And it's really relearning the skills that I feel like ancestrally we used yeah. to just know. And that's it too. Like I realized there was a huge disconnect that generations before me used to know this i don't know these skills but these are basic life skills very basic like how to raise animals how to grow plants how to harvest plants how to preserve food how like to yogurt how to make yogurt how to make cheese yourself an abortion like just right herbal things. abortion 100 yeah. yeah. i was so hard into that at yeah. the time period. i was like how do i what do i need to know i have a body like yeah. what am i gonna do like taking care of things taking care of the problems of things like solving problems solving your own problems you know like, where are you going to live? How are you going to build? So doing that at that time, really, I gained so many skills um, and have really brought that forward into my entire life. Like, I'm doing those skills now today, and I'm refining some of those skills constantly, and I'm helping other people learn about those skills. Mm-hmm. And... You are. You help me all the time. Aww. You're, like, my lifeline. Oh, thank 100%. you. Yeah. And I also feel like it makes a lot of sense, like, as a witch, right? Yeah. Like, you identify as a witch. I can... I'm for outing sure. You. Yeah, you I'm know. outing you. Wish I'm a you. witch. <laughs> um, but because, for me, um, like, there is a trajectory there of... Uh, you know, like young Jenna taking it upon herself to become <laughs> whatever. But like, 
you know, the history of like witches and witch witchcraft yeah. is, um, and and also the um, the obliteration of that mm-hmm. or the oppression of yeah. that has been like really about uh, you know. W- largely women uh, taking control of their own lives, their own bodies, their independent own knowledge base, independent, yeah. yeah, like having their own personal collection connection to spirit, and then like that being a threat, yeah. and it's still a threat, oh, right? Yeah. It's a threat to 100%. capitalism. It's a threat if you rely on yourself, you then that's it. Like, how does capitalism thrive? Yeah. Um, right, and so and in a community too, I'm helping somebody do something, mm-hmm. right? You know, they're helping me. We're trading for that yeah. type of thing, and yeah. I mean. So yeah, like I find myself here and we're in an agricultural community and we are trading all the time. We are skill sharing all the time. We are sharing mm-hmm. food. You and I share food all the time. Mm-hmm. Like we're, it's good. Like yeah. I can see versions of the apocalypse, even in what we're doing. Yeah. Not even the apocalypse, just community. Yeah. Right. But you can see how that would change. Community is apocalypse. Though. Like I just yeah. feel like people are like, community is so great. And I'm just like, it's so hard. Like it's gnarly most of the time, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like it comes, it's hard work, you yeah. know? It and is. it's like, it's, it's constant accountability. It's constant like conflict transformation. You know, like we're talking about like, that's a skill. That's a massive skill is conflict, conflict transformation dealing with conflict, how to deal with that, that is a key skill to being in community. And that is like, you know, across the board, right? Uh, in and your so own many people family, don't have it too. They They're don't just have like, it. Of nope, course, something's yeah. hard. I fucking I'm going to turn quit. away from it. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's like why we vibe because I feel like we're both the kind of people who will face shit head on. And I think that's like likely why people think that we're like, yeah, aggressive <laughs> human beings. Um, too direct as my partner likes to likes to call, call me um yeah there's lots of things that we get called but it's like you know i'd rather address those problems head on i would rather directly communicate i do not like to let things fester so that they become something else many mm-hmm. things down the road you know yeah. what i mean like yeah solve the fucking problem yeah move yeah. on educate like yeah. let's go yeah, for sure. For I mean, sure. it's not like we're emotionless fucking, like, assholes. Like, yeah. we have a lot of emotion, but, like, <laughs> yeah. too much sometimes, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. Right? But, um, but yeah, in terms of, uh, we were talking about there also different versions of the apocalypse. Yeah. I'm just thinking about this now, how, like, apocalypse can look different for different people. It could be societal, but it could also be just, like, in your own home, right? Oh, God, yeah. It could be, like, domestic apocalypse. Like, I felt that for sure during the pandemic where I'm just like, oh, my God, I have not seen anyone else other than my family for so long and just thinking about I was really yearning for like Mm. the you know the not just I'm by no means I want to make this disclaimer now uh, romanticizing my like ancestral ways of being as perfect Mm. at all but there were definitely some perks that I was like oh this would be nice if like I still lived in a world or society where like um, you know, it was commonplace to have your, have multiple generations living in one household because I would just have built in childcare, yeah. you know, uh, I didn't, I don't because we all just like live in, we just live alone now. Right. Um, and how, how nice that is and how, how care has become such a major topic these days and not just self-care. I don't want to talk about self-care and bubble okay, baths. No, I'm yeah. talking about mm-hmm. care. Just like care, period. People who care for others. And that's such a big part of um, apocalypse skills for me is care, is part of care. And there's so many different ways to care. Growing food is care. Caring for your community, right? Um, Just just to take a moment, like what you were talking about, like 
I've found like a huge difference like going through COVID it's like people who have kids and people who don't have kids like it's a totally different fucking experience yeah, just don't talk to me honestly <laughs> do not complain like I'm, a, I'm I'm that asshole like I can't like I just like don't and they're saying like one of the biggest effects that we're going to be seeing for at least a decade or more is the like women out of the workforce because traditionally women are making less money so your job is going to get cut first it's going to be considered less important you're going to probably a primary caregiver already so you're going to be staying home and you're out of the workforce like for however long and your skills are going to change mm -hmm. and you're reliant on other things at that point yeah and you're yeah. also in your home yeah. all the time yeah. alone it's crazy making stuff i love my kid it's also crazy making stuff <laughs> Yes, the OODA loop. <laughs> the loop. The what about you? How did you uh, start thinking about the apocalypse? Um, let me think. So I think it probably started... When was the veil lifted? <sighs> when was the veil lifted? Probably different versions. Honestly, like, I'll be honest with you. I think um, from a really young age, as somebody who was born as... Um, Born as I was born and raised as a woman, identify as non-binary now, but growing up as like a young girl, um, for me, I, f I, I, didn't, I don't think I, I only realized now looking back that like every day was like potentially end of the world. Like mm. it was like end of, you know, just like dealing with like so much like um, sexual violence in my life. Right. And so yeah. like, I feel like that, that is a, that's a major, you know, and I'm, that's why I'm really excited about digging into some of that yes. stuff. Like I wish I had more of those skills of, of, um, you know, boundaries and like protecting oneself and stuff like that. Right. But I think for me, it was always there, this thing of like, okay, like how do I protect myself? How mm -hmm. do I sign up for myself? And then that eventually evolved, I think more into, as I became more politicized, mm -hmm. um, you know, more radicalized, I guess you could say, in my politics as a queer Armenian person. Um, there's a lot of bits around survival there for sure, so surviving in my own culture or community and then surviving in the world, right? Mm -hmm. But then it became really more practical when um, uh, I met my partner who's a Californian and that was like, you know, on his mind all the time, right? It was like um, earthquake, no water, what do we do? He got really into it and he like started, he was like making grab bags, like okay. before I even knew what those <laughs> yeah. are or go bags or bug out bags or whatever, like before I even knew what that was. And then all of a sudden it kind of landed on me where, you know, he was making a bug out bag with like water filtration tablets and all this stuff. And I was just like, yeah, I'll just put like my old family photos in there. Yeah. And like, it's, just, it's a really interesting thing. It reveals like what's most important to you. Like what, and for me, that's really important for me in my survival, right, is, like, ancestral memory and, yeah. and preserving that and reclaiming, and, and, you know, um, reclaiming that. But then, um, you know, moving here and having more access to land. We moved here. I grew up in Scarborough, Scartown, shout out. Uh, but, like, yeah, when we, mo we moved here because we were, like, we would, like, some, some, some space. And what does that mean also, right? Um, how do you, like, as, like, stewards of the land, owners of land, I have, like, weird feelings about that, obviously, but um, I, I started to grow my own food. Um, I did that, in, I started doing that in Portland, mm -hmm. uh, which is a great place to grow own food because it is definitely a warmer climate, and you can, you know, yeah, grow a little bit more, the season's a little bit longer, but then it, it, it was a, 
it was around the same time that I became a, a, a mom for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a huge thing. It <laughs> was changes like, so much. <laughs> it changed everything. Like, yeah. I was so alone and it almost broke me. I almost like, I did almost did not survive that. So we want to talk about apocalypse. The biggest yeah. apocalypse in my life was becoming pregnant. Like mm-hmm. 100% was that all of a sudden realizing like, Oh yeah, I need support. Yeah. I need people to just hold my baby while they cry, so I can take a shit. You, you were know? like never more vulnerable than you are as a mother, as a as a parent, as 100%, a hundred percent, one hundred percent, and it, uh, that's why we left. Yeah, oh, we left. We're like, oh, okay. we moved to Ontario because huh. I have like my mom's out here and stuff. Okay. Right, that was a major deciding moment for me. Yeah, um, and then being out here, and then all of a sudden being like, we have almost an acre and that's mm-hmm. a lot of fucking space it's more yep. space than a lot of my friends who live in the city have mm-hmm. and um and then you know garden hens and it just snowballed right and so i would say it's mostly rooted in kind of like that that evolution right um and then also like through that just realizing how important it is to like my my idea of like survival and um and thriving, you know, I always like to say survivance and thrivance, right? Um, is so rooted in in like my relationship to ancestry and to storytelling because you're like um, the most aware and connected person to ancestry that I think I know. Like you're constantly referencing it, and yeah. it's so interesting to like think about because like I don't think about it that much because mm-hmm. I don't know that much about it. Right, right. And right. also because it's like here, it's kind of like I don't know, like. Your family unit has a, and then you have your own family unit, sure. and like there's not a lot of connection between the generations. Yeah, I yeah. think for me particularly, it's been important because I come from a history of like, um, you know, potentially we, we, you know, we were uh, close to annihilated yeah. as a people, right? So, so for me, apocalypse is really uh, connected to that ancestral remembrance. Mm-hmm. Is that like, oh, my people almost didn't survive, but they did, mm-hmm. and I'm here because of it. I'm literally here. It's a fluke, like. I'm literally here in Canada because of a genocide. Like, mm. I would... D- does that make sense? Like, yeah. my parents, like, you know? So, um, uh, it's a... And, and I think that, like, I have so much to draw upon, and it's a major resource for me. So, when I think about, like, how do I survive in this world today, I think about my ancestors. How did they survive? Um, how did they do it? How did they do it? How did they make it? And they made it, and, and they seemed... I mean, my great-grandmother was a survivor of the genocide, and she was a really kind woman. Like... She was, she didn't seem too hardened to me. And I, and I wonder a little bit about that, you know, um, how did they do that? I wish she was around for me to ask that question. Cause you know, what's another, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing all that. Yeah. But like, that's a thing too, where you're like, I just picture the apocalypse once it starts and never ends, but things like the it genocide, end. it doesn't end, it but doesn't it changes, end. but there's kind of like slower points and then faster points in some ways but the way that trauma works is that it's just always with you right so even like after the genocide like you know my parents my grandparents and my parents grew up in lebanon and beirut and then there was a war there's a civil war so they were displaced again Mm -hmm. so it was like just like a constant forced migration displacement etc so it's 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 it always follows you but if you're in constant survival mode that's Mm. that's an interesting thing that Mm -hmm. i would like to talk about is like is like where the OODA loop comes in, where mm-hmm. it's like, I feel like I, I could benefit from doing that more, more because I found post-motherhood, yeah. there was a period of time where I was still in survival mode, although things were fine. Yeah. 
I was operating on survival mode, which is like high stress mode, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but things were actually okay. And it, and so I think that's where things, some of these skills like OODA loop comes in where it's like, hold on, I just need to stop, observe, orient, you know, because, and I wonder how much of that my ancestors did um, without actually calling it OODA loop, right? Yeah, that's actually really interesting. I mean, what do they do without having names for it? Right? Yeah, I'm just coming out of a really intense period of my life as well. And it would have been probably beneficial to kind of stop and take stock of mm-hmm. a lot of things yeah. um, as they're happening instead of just like, go, 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 go. Yeah. Like I'm in the process right now too of like, I'm operating a business under the capitalistic umbrella mm-hmm. because that's really, anyways, it's just like you end up you start something and you're in it it's so fucked up like it takes intentional effort to like Mm -hmm. realize that you're in it and you want to change it so yeah yeah for sure so fucked up like if you were stopping and taking stock of this stuff as you go yeah it'd be worthwhile anyways these are important skills to have yeah absolutely um yeah Instagram at Salt and Bone Podcast and write a review on your favorite listening platform. Let me, let me